It's Daily Thunder, booming out the truth of Jesus Christ live every weekday morning from the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado. To learn more, visit ellerslie.com. Hey everyone, this is Ben Price. Uh, Very happy to be back here with Thunder Down Under, part of the Daily Thunder series. And it's good to see you guys. Hope you're well. Uh, Well, I can't see all of you, (laughs) just a couple. Don't, uh, don't worry too much. Relax. Enjoy. I've got a, a very exciting episode here today. We've looked at uh, a few of the heroes of the past, which is fantastic because these guys are helping us. The, the subtitle of this uh, series, just checking my phone because if I say series, it might be like, think. It, it's a very smart phone. It's worked out now that I don't mean Siri. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> first time I did it was like, how can I help you? Um, that does not sound like my Siri. <laughs> you know, your Siri's probably like, how can I help you? Or uh, Canadians would be like, how can I help you? A. Uh, or if you're from China, how can they help you? No, that's silly. Probably is. Okay. So yes, we're looking at evangelism truths from heroes of the faith. And we need uh, evangelists to go out there right now. And uh, because we have a world that's lost and crazy, I mean, the craziness that's in our world, it is so crazy. The best solution to all of this craziness is still the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so let's get out there and share uh, whenever and wherever we can. But it's great to learn from some of these heroes of the past and how they did it. And what are some of the traits that they had that's going to enable us to do a, uh, a job that, you know, we, we could never imagine. So uh, these guys... We're just men and women like, I don't do any of the women voices, but uh, there's men and women heroes that were just like us and uh, they didn't have anything special except Jesus Christ. So that's what we're looking at today. And we've looked at um, a few and it's great. I'm just loving digging into these Christian biographies, even though I'd say um, all you need is the Bible and uh, that's all you need. That's it. I'm so passionate about the fact that all we need is the Bible that I've written a, a book and it's called All You Need Is The Bible. And I'm bringing out later this month a sequel to that, which is called All You Need Is The Bible Part 2. And if you're making notes, uh, that was a joke. Yeah. So, but no, I mean, that is all we need. But I do love Christian biographies and, and hearing about uh, not just the stories. That's good. But how this is helping us today, it's just so so uh, relevant, really, to look at. And we've looked at uh, three so far. We looked at Leonard Ravenhill, and just uh, to recap, the, the passionate preacher where he talks about uh, if we had more sleepless nights in prayer, there'd be fewer souls to have a sleepless eternal night in hell. He told it like it is. Uh, C.T. Studd, we looked at a couple of weeks ago, some wish to live within the sound of a church and chapel bell. I want to run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. Oh, that's such a good quote. And then uh, David Wilkerson, we looked at last week, said, True prayer life comes from a baptism of anguish. Another another passionate one. And, and, and this guy we're looking at today, well, we don't have any recording, unfortunately. I'd love it if there was, uh, just like CT Stud, we don't have it, even though there was recording uh, in the time that he lived, you know, he lived this guy that we're looking at today from 1805 to 1898. And uh, yes, he was from Kroppenstadt in Germany. So that's where he lived. And uh, in those days, it was known as Prussia. 
and he moved to, after a little while, to Bristol. And he traveled all over the world. And uh, yeah, in those days, pretty much anywhere you could travel to, he went to, to share the gospel. He had a profound influence on people like Hudson Taylor and Charles Spurgeon, who they're heroes of the faith that we look at. And he had an influence on those guys. So who is this hero of the faith that we're talking about? Uh, the, so the title of this one, amongst the you know series within a series, is called But God. So you might be thinking, well, what does that mean? Well, you're going to hear about it soon, but it, it's really, really oh, it's special. So this hero that we're talking about, his name is George Mueller. George Mueller, a lot of us would say Mueller uh, or Mueller. I, I think the pronunciation or the pronunciation is <laughs> George Mueller. And that's the way the Germans would say it, yeah? Ich verstehe ein bisschen Deutsch, yeah? So if there's Germans listening, hey, uh, you'll understand what I just said. I have no idea what I just said. No, I do. But um, So we don't have a voice for George Mueller. He had a voice and it speaks. And I've been reading his biography. You can you can check it out, the, the biography of George Mueller. That's, I think it's just called George Mueller. And uh, it, it is wonderful. I, I'd known a lot about him. Uh, I heard a lot of quotes, heard a lot of stories. And then, you know, about five years ago, I reread his biography and it was just so impacting. And uh, you're going to hear about it today. And uh, so some George Mueller quotes. Well, we've got to give him a voice before we read some of these quotes out. Some great quotes here. So he's German. And I, I think the Germans would have sounded like this. So I'm going to give him this type of accent when I read like George Mueller. And this is the way that I'm going to do it. But I'll have to be very careful <laughs> that I don't slip into Arnold Schwarzenegger and make him sound like, you know, this is George Mueller and this is fantastic and it was a, a great man of God. And <laughs> no, I don't want to... What if he did sound like that? And you made him one day and say, it's George Mueller. Um, so I'm going to strip that back and just be like more in this tone which is not too dissimilar, but there it is. So some George Mueller quotes just to get you uh, warmed up to the character of who he was. And uh, these are great quotes anyway. It says, I live in the spirit of prayer. I pray as I walk about and when I lie down and when I rise up and the answers are always coming. You notice that the Germans, they don't say the, it's da or za. Because uh, they don't have a th, uh, or sometimes it's like uh, thank you is like thank you, thank you. <laughs> it's like the um, the ship out at sea and they, they radio the lighthouse and they're, they're Germans and he's like, um, we are sinking, we are sinking, and they're, they're radioing back and they say, yeah, what are you sinking about? We are sinking, and so um, here's another great quote from George Miller. Uh, the vigor of our spiritual life will be in exact proportion to the balance held by the Bible in our life and thoughts. I said thoughts, but it'd be thoughts. <laughs> and so, but I love that quote. The vigor of our spiritual life will be in the exact proportion to the place held by the Bible in our life and thoughts, which it's almost uh, parallel to when uh, Leonard Ravenhill said, you know, uh, no man, no man is greater than his prayer life. It's it's similar that the amount of prayer you put in will be to the exact proportion of how your spiritual life looks. And so 
And, and even the way that A.W. Tozer, um, who I might bring into a later episode, uh, would say, as a man prays, so he is. So as much as you pray, that's what you're reflecting in your spiritual life. And as much as you're uh, reading the scriptures is, is what it's going to see, the exact proportion of your spiritual life. So it's a great quote there from Muller. Muller. Um, another one, this, this is one of his most famous ones, and I love this. Uh, the beginning of anxiety is the end of face. Faith. <laughs> face? I'll say it again. The beginning of anxiety is the end of faith. And the beginning of true faith is the end of anxiety. Yeah, I wonder how they did say faith, the Germans. Hmm. But that's a great quote because when people start to doubt, that's when oh, anxiety can take over. And uh, so we need to stay in that position of having faith. Uh, but what a great quote. Faith is the evidence of things unseen. If we're not seeing it, we don't want to skip into doubt. One of the... Um, and, and that quote there about, you know, anxiety being the, the, the beginning of, um, or the end of, the end of our faith is the beginning of anxiety really backs up, I think, why uh, one of his favorite verses, and it is for me as well, uh, Philippians 4, 6, it says, be anxious for nothing. Oh, what about this? No, for nothing. Oh, what about this? For nothing. It means for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. I love that. That's such a, you know, and then it goes on to say, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That Philippians 4 has just been like so close to my spiritual tool belt in these last couple of years. And it's so, so pertinent right now. And I, I absolutely love that whole chapter. It's it's one of my favorites. So uh, I can see what a great one for um, for George Mueller to have as well. And uh, so there's a lot that we can see in these evangelism truths from heroes of the faith. Um, recommend his biography. You'll be so inspired by it. Um, there's so much, and you know, I'm scratching the surface. So, you know, we could do a whole huge series on George Mueller. We're going to look at two truths, uh, two evangelism truths from this man. And they're, they're, they're quite big. They go hand in hand. It's not just for evangelism truths, but Christian living. And the first one is that, um, might sound a little strange, but it's this. He utterly died. Okay. Um, <laughs> that's a bit morbid. Well, it depends how you look at it. See, yeah, I mentioned earlier he um, died in 1898. It's like, you don't have to say he utterly died. Well, I'm not talking about that. That's not the death that we're referring to. There's a great quote here. He talks about his death. Yeah. Can you believe it? In the third person? How did he do that? Well, he, he said, There was a day when I utterly died. Died to George Muller. His opinions, preferences, tastes, and will. Died to the world. Its approval or censure. Uh, which is like disapproval, I guess. Died to the approval or blame even of my brethren and friends. And since then, I have only to show myself approved to God. What a great quote. And, and I remember reading his biography and reading, I think it was reading that exact quote and just thinking, that's a really strange thing to say. There was a day when I utterly died. It was a specific day. 
he had a very wild uh, heathen life, as you know, any one of us would coming to Christ. He'd, he'd gone to prison, um, you know, for something fairly petty at the time, where he hadn't paid his um, his rent, I think, for where he was staying, and um, you know, so he he'd done his time. Um, when he when he came to Christ, uh, it was radical, because um, we might think that is really extreme and that is really radical to say that he utterly he utterly died and i want to say this it might sound radical but let me just tell you it's christianity and uh you might think oh, have i done that uh john three thirty, and this is from john the baptist it says it so so well he meaning christ must increase but i must decrease and uh, that's really what it's all about. I, I've thought about this. Wouldn't it be great? Oh, think about this. If Christ could come again, and I'm not talking about, well, the, he is going to come again. He's coming soon. The second coming, when that is, we don't know. But wouldn't it be great if he could just come now in between the, the second coming, like the way that he first came and turn the world upside down? Because we need that right now. And, you know, he came 2000 years ago. He turned the world upside down just by inhabiting one body. And now, well, he can do it all over again through the Holy Spirit working in and through us. But instead of one body, he's looking for every body as the body of Christ. So we can, but we must decrease and he must increase. We've got to die. I've got to die. There's got to be a day where I, like the same way George Mueller, where all my dreams and passions and desires, Ben Price dies. <laughs> yeah, you put your name in there, you got to die. Sorry to say it. <laughs> You're still going to live, but it's not you. It's Christ that lives in you. And um, Galatians 5.24 says it so well. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And that's what Muller did. Those passions, those desires, those dreams, those goals, all those things that he wanted to do were crucified with Christ. And so uh, it sounds morbid, it sounds horrible, but the fact was that he increased. When I talk about he, I'm talking about Christ increased in his life. So why would we wait? Why would we just hold that off? But we do. I, I, <laughs> I so often do uh, where I've got something like, uh, you know, reluctantly. Yeah, here you go. Take it, God quick, take it quickly before I change my mind. And, you know, that's happened so many times. And you just go, why didn't I do it earlier? Because you just realize, ah, oh, you know, you think the worst is going to happen. I remember having all these um, plans where nothing wrong with having plans if they're plans that God approves. But, you know, I had these plans that didn't seem terrible. They seemed fine. They were ideas for movies. And I'd met a lady who was a Christian lady and she'd made a film, a short film that was nominated for an Oscar. And uh, this was, I don't know, maybe nine years ago or so. And she wanted to sort of help me try to get into Hollywood. And I had about five movie ideas. And I found that even though they weren't terrible, sinful movie ideas, I found I was getting consumed. And I thought, God, you know, I want to be consumed by you. And I put them all down at the altar and I say, God, you, you take those. And if they're meant to come back, they, they will. If not, uh, those dreams, uh, 
it's so hard to let go, but they, they've got to die. And there was one idea that sort of came back, which was um, a, a biblical uh, script that maybe one day, if, if, you know, again, I was like, God, I keep giving that over to you. If you want it to happen, it will. And uh, but those other things I let go of and, you know, crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And um, one of my favorite verses, uh, it's hard to say favorite because it's a harsh one. But I'm constantly challenged by Luke 9, 23. Jesus says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. So this is not just a one off process. It's almost a, well, a daily process because the old nature will rise up again and we've got to keep dying to self. But we get the life that Christ has given us. We get him increase. So it's so much better. I mean, and that's something as an evangelist. I want people to see Christ. I don't want them to see me. I want them to see Christ because that's who I'm, you know, preaching about. I want them to see that in me. Um, I could be the only Bible they ever read. Uh, we're living epistles, which is letters that they can read and see Christ in. So the, the second lesson that we want to look at today, uh, and this is what he's most famous for. George Muller was so famous for his unwavering faith. Now, I could have just said faith, but I want to really emphasize that it was unwavering. There's some synonyms here. Uh, fixed, resolute, decided, dogged, determined, immovable. Doesn't that sound like one of Eric Ludy's sermons? Fixed, resolute, decided, dogged, determined, immovable. It's absolute. It's uh, unwavering. And uh, that's the kind of faith that Miller had. And that's the kind of faith that we need, as um, Scripture shows us. It's the kind of childlike faith, unless we have... Um, Unless we come to Jesus as little children, by no means will we enter the kingdom of God. So it's imperative we have that faith that it's just like a child that just believes. And that's what Mueller had in um, the 1850s when he was, uh, he'd, he'd gone over to London. He was, well, so he was in Bristol, uh, but, you know, all around London and the surrounding areas, there was a cholera epidemic. So not too dissimilar to the world today. You know, there was craziness going on. There was a, a virus going on around in those days. Uh, and there are a lot of people dying. Um, the, the standard of uh, medicine wasn't the same as today. Uh, but due to the fact that, you know, there were so many people dying, there were so many orphans who needed a home and uh, having compassion in his heart uh, because he's in that place where he's died to self. Because if you're selfish you're not going to really care as much uh, about these orphans. Well, you will. You'll say a prayer and you hope that maybe, you know, we can give. And, you know, um, that's all good. But uh, he went that extra mile because he converted his home in Bristol into an orphanage. And that grew and grew where there became hundreds of children uh, in his neighborhood. And uh, they needed to get this large property where they could uh, bring children uh, into these homes that were going to be built on this land because uh, they couldn't just manage where they were. It became too small. And I think the neighbours thought it was a bit noisy. Like, Mr. Muller, um, yeah, because they're, you know, living in Bristol. And I don't know if they talked like that. I said, Mr. Muller, yeah, it's a bit loud here. Could you sort of tone it down? I think, I think you know, it's great you're doing that for the orphans, but you're going to have to move. And so, um, and it wasn't just easy. Like, he, you know, had millions of pounds in the time, but he had... Uh, he had really no funding 
And so this is where your faith is going to be tested. One of his favorite verses was, uh, again, I don't know how to call it a favorite verse, but it was a, a verse that he really rested on was James 1, 2. Consider it pure joy, my brethren, when you fall into trials of various kinds, because it produces faith. And uh, so he had faith, unwavering faith. But the, the way to get that was through the trials, because how do you know you've got faith unless it's tested? And it was definitely tested. So not having the funding and not having the resources, how are you going to move? And uh, But his faith in God, he had implicit faith in God, unwavering faith that does not doubt. And they were able to um, acquire a great piece of land where they were able to build um, many, many orphanages and, you know, house and feed thousands of kids. So what an incredible provision that God uh, was able to do for George Mueller. Some of the um, some of the faith that he had, or the stories that he had, there was just no doubting that God could do exactly what he said he would do. It's very easy when we pray to sometimes, yeah, there's a bit of doubt in there. And, and that's something that George Mueller didn't seem to have. There was no doubt in his mind. He had that childlike faith, that unwavering faith. Reminds me of James 1, 6, where it says, but let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. And um, Jesus really backed this up too. And he said in Mark eleven twenty three, truly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. And I think doubt for me is like kind of, it, it is like faith, but believing in the wrong thing, uh, namely circumstances rather than faith in God. Uh, it, it would have been so easy for George Muller to doubt, especially when they purchased the land. It's like, well, you know, you've, George, you've done it in the house and that was great, but acquiring all this land, you don't have the money, you don't have the collateral, uh, you can't afford it. All these, it's worldly wisdom. And it sounds like, yeah, there's that little doubt that's sown that seed in, in your mind where you're thinking it's so easy to trust that, but he had no doubt and he believed and absolutely uh, God provided. And, um, and whether he had a little bit of money or, or no money, whether it was no money or whether he had a lot that God had given him, he still had faith. And that's why another one of his favorite uh, verses that he lived by was Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Again, there's that Philippians 4 uh, amazing chapter. And um, his faith in Christ was unwavering. Um, this dogged belief that they were able to purchase this land. They built... Uh, several orphanages all on this land that were all part of this, you know, great uh, structure of orphanages that, that Miller had all these children. And over his life, he saw 50,000 prayers all answered. I don't know if I've, how many of us have even prayed 50,000? I, I think we would have um, quite possibly, but 50,000 prayers all answered. That's amazing to document all that. He had 30,000 uh, answered within 24 hours. And over his lifetime, more than 10,000 orphans uh, were all brought up and educated, uh, but more importantly, brought up in the ways of the Lord and given the gospel. And his work still continues today. So 
just amazing. You know, from the 1800s, even today, uh, many orphans are given um, that word of God that they're being brought up on. And so praise God for, for the work that he did and uh, for the compassion that God put on his heart. Um, when he sent out the orphans after they'd almost like graduated, they became like missionaries to send them out. He gave them a coin in one hand and a Bible in one hand. And he said, you know, you might, you might lose this coin, but uh, never, never let go of the Bible. And he was totally dependent on God. And one of the things he's known for is that he never once asked for finances. Oh, that is that is so hard. You know, some people are very. I mean, I, we've seen probably in our lifetime there there are a lot of people who they ask for it too much, and uh, you know, it's like, do do you have faith even? And there are some people that just put it at the end of a video if you'd like to give. And I respect that. I think that's good. But wow, this is just incredible faith. Never once publicly asked anyone for finances. And yet millions and millions of pounds were given. It's kind of like a principle of like, I like that. But we, we have this tendency to sort of doubt again, like, oh God, are you going to do that for me? Um, this was his reasoning from Psalm 20. Verse five, he said, we will rejoice in your salvation in the name of our God. We will set up our banners. May the Lord fulfill all your petitions. And that's that's where our help is coming from, because the Lord will fulfill all your petitions. And he just knew that, um, you know, I actually had the same inspiration from God uh, from Psalm 121 verse two, where it's talking about I lift my eyes up to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. When you know that, well, do we need to ask anybody? Because that's where my help comes from. And God knows. He's the maker of heaven and earth. This faith, this unwavering, dogged, determined faith that was uh, immovable faith, it's uh, it was seen in action. It, it wasn't just something he had. It was tested uh, there's the famous story where there was the, the children in the orphanage. Um, one day they had no breakfast and George had prayed a prayer. Children, it is time to pray. Lord God, we thank you for your gracious provision for us today. Amen. Amen. Excuse me, Mr. Muller, where's the food? Yeah, we're starving. Are we still having breakfast? The Lord will provide. And he's saying, yes, Lord, we thank you for the gracious provision today. Um, the children saw there was no food on the table. Oh, no. What are we going to do? Because uh, it sounds like, well... It's, you know, you're thanking God for food, but there's nothing there. It's like a reminder of um, when Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. Talking about Lazarus. And it's like, but he's dead. So you kind of, it's very hard to doubt when there's nothing there. But, you know, faith is the evidence of things unseen. And yet, straight after he's prayed, there's this knock at the door. And uh, there'd been a baker who'd woken up at two in the morning and uh, he felt God put it on his heart to give all this bread to uh, the orphans. And that happened at the same time as this milk truck breaks down, it just happens to break down. And it's just amazing. The providence in that 
where he's uh, you know he's not going to throw all this food away. So he says, "Would would you have any need for milk and cheese?" And George Mueller's probably like, "Yeah, yeah, we prayed. Thank you, thank you." Not like, "Oh wow, he knows God's going to provide." And uh, some of the verses that really backed up his faith uh, and trust. These were some of the ones he held on to. Psalm 34, verse 8. Oh, I love this. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Um, Psalm 34, 10. A couple of verses later. The young lions lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. He knew that. What a promise. Uh, 1 John 5, 14 to 15. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we've asked of him. And then, oh, I love this. It's, it's just oh, right up there with my favorites. Uh, it's so hard to talk about your favorite verse because, you, you know, different seasons in your life, you fluctuate as to which one but this has been a, a really um over the years one of my favorites it was one of my dad's it was his favorite verse actually and and i love this uh trust in the lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths so when we doubt that's leaning on our own understanding when we trust god with all our heart that is the faith that we have. So you can really see why George Mueller uh, loved that. And um, now I mentioned the title of this is called But God. So what is that? What am I talking about here? And so I really think this applies so much to Mueller. I don't know if he ever used that little phrase, but God. See, I was, um, it's fair to say that all of us <laughs> probably have had a very, very difficult uh two years because of circumstances of coronavirus, etc. That's a given. Unless you're the owner of Zoom and you're like, it's been brilliant. <laughs> uh, you know, they're not complaining. Someone's got a benefit out of this, right? But no, I've seen some great stuff happen, but definitely some hardships. And I'm not saying this is a pity party on me. Um, certainly not. I mean, all glory to God when I say this because of how he helped me through difficulty because... I do events and I was doing live shows all around and they all got canceled. And, you know, suddenly I was able to do virtual events, videos for people. It was like, okay, praise God. Beginning of 2021, I wanted to continue in that. Uh, I was doing videos on a um, particular platform, which all got shut down. That's a story in itself. Uh, they shut my pages down. No real explanation. That was difficult to deal with. So there was that. Then uh, we had in Melbourne, I may have mentioned in previous episodes that we had the world's longest lockdown, which was over 270 days, not consecutively, but you know, if you add them all up, very, very difficult to deal with. And, um, but I'm like, okay, I know trusting God, praying. Uh, and when, you know, it became apparent that people were over Zoom, they're like, oh, I just want to get off Zoom and go back to real events. Well, that's good and well, but, you know, for me, uh, I was relying on them and it wasn't like people were just suddenly going to real life events because they were, they were unsure. There was this uncertainty. And so even that was 
up in the air and I wasn't getting really much at all. And yet, hey, I'm trusting God consciously. I'm like, okay, I'm praying and I'm aware of that. But all of a sudden, um, oh, and to add fuel to fire, I had a baseball injury because I was playing baseball and I hadn't played since junior days. And it was great. I was, you know, hitting some home runs, loving it. And this particular day, smacked this ball, went to smack it really like out of the park, but it just got the, it clipped the bottom of the bat. And then well, I had to run. And, and I think, I don't even know how I did this, but it hit the back of my calf. And yeah, I'm running to first base. And as I'm running to first base, I felt like my calf had muscle had torn because something went and I just went, ha, ha, ha. Yeah, you ever make that sound like where you don't want to scream and go, ha, like sometimes my girls do that. I've got two girls and sometimes you hear them scream and you, you just run in like, what, what? You're thinking, you know, something's happened. There's, you know, there's a fly on me. Like they scream over the crazy stuff. But but I don't, you know, scream as, as, a, as a man getting hit in a baseball game. You just, you're trying to compose yourself, but you're, you're in so much pain. And I was going, <laughs> I sounded like a chimpanzee. It's like that. <laughs> And I'm doing that and my son was with me and I'm driving home. It was a long drive home, about you know 40 minutes from the game and I'm nearly passing out. Um, I'm saying all this because it was a difficult time because I had to experience about uh, eight to 10 weeks of not being able to walk and I was, I was feeling it. But I'm not saying this like I was still in prayer mode, still in God, I trust you. But somehow, subconsciously, I was feeling an anxiousness. Subconsciously, it, something had crept in and I was unaware. And I was, I was even feeling this um, reflux, which was horrible. I was, was, the reflux, the heartburn that I was getting was so bad that it was, I, was, I was neighing. So not only did I sound like a chimp, but I sounded like a horse going, ah! <laughs> it was just like farm animals coming from this house. But uh, it, was, it was tough. And I say all this because uh, I, I realized at one point that, no, I, I, I've got to stop thinking like this. And I told someone to pray and they said these two words, but God. And I suddenly realized and I prayed and I woke up in the night one time and I got up to pray because I, I couldn't sleep properly. And I said, Lord, forgive me if I've had any doubt or stress. And even if it's unconscious or subconscious, and it's crept in through a crevice, just like a, a spider's coming into the house. I don't invite them in. How do they get in? We don't want them. They're not welcome. And I, I'm driving these things out. Well, I said, Lord, I get rid of these things. I repent, Lord. Even if I've subconsciously brought them in, these worries, these doubts, these stresses, because I realized Psalm 121 is a but God moment. And it's basically saying, where does my help come from? I look to the hills. Where does my help come from? And that's a question we could all ask ourselves in the last couple of years. Where does my help come from? Is it, is it from the government? Is it from doctors? Is it from a uh, stimulus package? Where's, where's it coming from? And yes, God can use means of grace. But my help, the, the answer is right there in verse 2, Psalm 121. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. It doesn't matter how dark and horrible things and circumstances may be. You can say, but God, you know, it's the answer to any situation. Well, there's a war breaking out. It could get worse. But God, isn't that cool? I didn't realize this, but there's about 15 instances. I'm just going to read a few from scripture 
that have these two words, but God. This is the attitude for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God. So all right, there's a couple other words in there, but it's a but God moment. But God is giving you eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord, the gift of God. Um, 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, No temptation has overtaken you except uh, such as common demand. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. That's 1 Corinthians 3, 6. Uh, in Acts 9, uh, sorry, Acts 13, 29 to 30, this is a portion of that where it says they took him down from the cross and laid him in a tomb, but God raised him from the dead. And in Psalms 73, 26, my flesh and heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and portion forever. I love that. And I love this too from Genesis 50, 20. You intended to harm me or, or what you meant for evil, but God intended it for good. And, uh, that is so good. And, you know, it's also, but God being rich in mercy, but God demonstrated his own love toward us um, in that while we're still sinners, Christ died for us. There's there's all these but God moments and there's more. And you can go and check it out. Uh, and depending on the version, it might say and God, but I love it where it's just like, but God, uh, no matter what's going on in the world. And I think that's what Miller had without, he might not have realized that, but he had that but God. He preached all over the world. Um, he shared the gospel in, in the later years. So he had such a huge influence on orphans, not just to feed and give them shelter and clothing, but to bring them up with the gospel and, and to see them come to Christ. And he, he, he reached people around the world just all by going by ships uh, uh, on horseback and or horse and carriage, um, I guess, maybe camel. I don't think he rode a camel, but... <laughs> But he might have because he had incredible faith. And um, this faith led him to impossible prayers. I'm going to say ridiculous prayers. Every Thursday for the last two years, I've been part of a men's Zoom prayer gathering. And these are some of the uh, my dearest brothers in Christ that I love. And uh, some of them I've never met. All I know them is just a little screen about that big with their little name on. And, uh, you know, brothers in Christ that we, we pray for each other. And we prayed prayers that we know, oh yeah, we'll pray that you'll go and do that meeting and it'll be great. We'll pray that you'll get that job. And But there are sometimes, especially when we're praying for salvation for people, um, and this is as a gospel tier, someone that shares the gospel, I really want to pray for souls. That is a huge prayer request always. That I, And there's some people, you know, like when I talked about anguish of prayer with Wilkerson, I have that burden, but... But even the faith to pray ridiculous prayers. I call them ridiculous prayers. They're not because God's going to answer them. But they are ridiculous prayers when we're Egyptians on one side, the Red Sea on the other, uh, in a manner of speaking. It's like worldly wisdom says, okay, there's no chance here. You can't get out of this. But God. And then you pray a ridiculous prayer. And I've been just so inspired to pray ridiculous prayers because we have a God that can answer these ridiculous prayers. So there's a story here um, and it's from Quebec or is it Quebec? It's a French word in the Canadian language. So as I said, uh, George Muller had traveled all around the world. He spoke in many countries and he was on the way to Quebec and uh, the captain of the ship who was a believer, uh, he says, we had a man of God on board and, and this, this changed his life. Uh, from this point, George Muller of Bristol, 
And I had been on that bridge for uh, 22 hours and never left it. I was startled by someone tapping me on the shoulder. It was George Miller. Imagine this little... Oh. And he says, Captain, I have come to tell you that I must be in Quebec on Saturday afternoon. Now, this was Wednesday. Captain said, it's impossible. He could have very well said, yeah, that's ridiculous. It's not going to happen. And here's Miller's response. Very well. If your ship can't take me, God will find some other means of locomotion to take me. I have never broken an engagement in 57 years. <laughs> Talk about pressure. The captain says, I would willingly help you, but how can I? I'm helpless. Like, this is not going to happen. He says, let's go down to the chart room and pray. He said, I looked at this man and thought, this is the captain looking at me all going, what lunatic asylum could the man have come from? I've never heard such a thing. This is ridiculous prayer at its highest, right? It's like, this is just not going to happen. Mr. Mueller said, uh, uh, Mr. Mueller, I said, do you know how dense this fog is? This is worldly wisdom talking. Like, what a reality here. You, you can't argue. This fog is dense. It's so thick. Mueller said, no, my eye is not on the density of the fog, but on the living God who controls every circumstance of my life. Isn't that a great quote? Um, he went down on his knees and he prayed one of the most simple prayers. Captain's thinking that would suit a children's class where the children were not more than eight or nine years of age. The burden of his prayer was something like this. Oh Lord, if it is consistent with thy will, please remove this fog in five minutes. You know the engagement you made for me in Quebec on Saturday. I believe it is your will. When he had finished, I was going to pray. But he put my hand, his hand on my shoulder and told me not to pray. First, you do not believe God will do it. And second, I believe he has done it. And says, no need for whatever you to pray about it. No need whatever for you to pray about this. And he looked at George Miller and he, uh, I looked at him and George Miller said this to the captain. Captain, I have known my Lord for 57 years. And there's never been a single day that I have failed to gain an audience with the king. Get up, captain, open the door, and you will find the fog is gone. I got up, this is captain saying, and the fog was gone. On Saturday afternoon, George Mueller was in Quebec, and he got to speak. Isn't that incredible? <laughs> Spiritually, there's a lot of fog around us that we need God to clear. God is not... Uh, the author of confusion, but a God of peace. And yes, he's not going to reveal everything immediately, uh, but he'll make those steps of faith very clear uh, when we have implicit faith, this unwavering, dogged, determined faith that Mueller had that we, we see in Scripture. And he may never, may never have actually quoted it, but I can tell you, I believe that he had this attitude of, but God. And I want us to have that too as we go out and share the gospel. Father God, we thank you for what an example Mueller was to us that we can read about his life and hear about these stories and be inspired that you are the same God yesterday, today and forever that you can do that in and through our lives, in our circumstances. When we have prayers that seem 
and probably are. Even as Christians, we think they're ridiculous. But God, we know that you can handle it. We, we can't, but you certainly can, God. And we pray that you will increase our faith and you will increase in our life than we would decrease so that we will have a greater faith in you. And when these trials come, we won't look and we won't doubt and we won't be wavering uh, to and fro like a, a wave in the ocean, but we'll be uh, solely trusting in you, solely looking towards you, the author and finisher of our faith. And we thank you, God, um, that you can do that so that we can go out and share the gospel and uh, see many, many people come to Christ. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Daily Thunder is a listener-supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. Daily Thunder episodes are released every day, Monday through Friday, from our campus in Windsor, Colorado. And our weekly sermon is delivered live at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings with a delayed live stream available at noon Mountain Time. Go to ellerslie.com forward slash daily to get all the details. Thanks for listening.